The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. You what? We export water to Europe. But they have water there. It's a large market. Oh, so, okay. They send their water to us, and we send ours to them. Why don't you just sell them their own water? Our product is very specific. How specific can it be? It's water. Our bottles have a hand-pleasing shape. Look, bringing water from one continent to another is ridiculous. Yes, it is. Boy, I missed you. Arrivederci. God. Can you believe? Man, you're, you're being a real jerk. What? Have you ever seen a bottle of water? They date Heaven. it for freshness. What's it going to do? Go bad? Okay, shut up. Yes, it's ridiculous that she moves water from one country to another, but it's what she does. What's up with you? Nothing. Then chill. You don't want to lose your friends and your wife in the same night. Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we will be with you from now until noon. No, no, not right wing. Just right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be and welcome to the show today, where 519-661-3600 is the number you can call to join in in the conversation. And you can email us at justrightchrw at gmail.com, or of course you can check out all of our past shows on archive on the website, chr, or sorry, uh, justrightmedia.org. And welcome to the show today, because I've got a hot one for you today. Today the theme is Water, Water Everywhere. And I think City Hall was being a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit jerky about what they did on Monday night with respect to the whole water bottle ban thing. And so I'm not even sure where I, where, where I'm going to start with this because I tell you, uh, first of all, what I've got on tap for today, pardon the pun, is uh, basically we're going to talk about why the bottom line is really the bottom line for what I call the eco green shirts, and. Today you are going to learn everything you need to know about water. And uh, I think you need to know some basic facts about water, the science of water, the chemistry of water, before they drown you, pardon the pun again, in their propaganda. And of course, I think uh, one of the main things we have to do is deal with all the misinformation that's out there right now. And there's something else we're drowning in, if you don't mind me saying so. And I'm not even sure where to begin, because I began this this subject matter. I think I spent more time researching this particular topic than any other I've done for the show, and I think it's going to end up being two or three shows because the evidence is overwhelming. So I think I'm going to start instead, do something different. I'm going to start at the end and work to the beginning. I'm going to tell you what my conclusions are here from what I've heard about the water bottle ban at City Hall. Get into some details on that later. But here's where I'm leading, just in case I don't get all the evidence on the table by the end of the show. At about halfway through the show, regardless of where I am with uh, the evidence and testimony of the various parties in this debate, I'm going to take a break and we're going to take a look at water directly, the science of water. Talk to my uh, buddy uh, Andy Jansen about it too, and man, it's just unbelievable what you're going to learn in that 15-minute period. And then we'll see how many other uh, 
participants in this debate we can get to so that, so that I hope you can see what the real issue is all about. Now basically I've got five um, major points, observations that I would call them. Uh, number one, tap water is not free. Tap water is not safer than bottled water. Uh, you should know there are between 1,000 and 2,000 boil water warnings and advisory warnings on tap water in various communities around the country at this moment as we speak. I remember when I uh, used to have as a hobby freshwater fish in a, in a fish tank and the one thing you never did was put fresh tap water into the tropical fish tank and it was a matter of the temperature. Uh, the chlorine would kill them, the fluoride would kill them, pH balances would kill them. So what you had to do with the tap water was put it in a bucket for a few weeks before you could use it for your fish tank. I learned that the hard way with a bunch of neons that all sort of started tilting up sideways in the tank that looked perfectly clean to the human eye. But uh, obviously the fish knew better and I learned uh, a lesson the hard way. Now, You've heard a lot of issues about what this is really all about from, from various members of City Hall, from the government, and they all tell us everybody's got their own agenda. So let's take a look at each of their agendas and what they tell us. And again, I'm still doing my conclusions here. We'll get to the evidence momentarily. If it's about selling city water, okay, we've heard some of them say it's about selling city water. I've got a suggestion for you. Why not put that water in the bottles and sell it and make a killing. Just put city water in the bottles, continue to sell it at city properties at $2 a bottle. And with that extra, you keep, they keep telling us it only costs two or three cents, right? So with that extra $1.97, imagine the things that they could do with that cash. Those facilities could run themselves just on their water sales, couldn't they? So why don't they do that? I'll tell you why. Because the city water would fail the test it would not ever be allowed to be sold as a food. We'll get to that later. Now, if it's about plastic bottles, then why not ban all sales of plastic bottles? Why just pick water? What's that about, you know? Why just pick water? Of everything they picked, they picked water. You know, they just got rid of all of the uh, carbonated drinks out of the schools and put in juices and water to replace them. Just put that in almost mandatorily, you know, and now they're going back on the water. What's that about? If the issue's about litter, a lot of people are saying, well, it's about litter, then I want to know why doesn't the city recycle its own public spaces? You know they don't. It's something totally new to them, and I'm going to show you the evidence for this. Here we have, as private citizens, been recycling for years, and the city hasn't even started yet. In fact, as, I'm, as I saw in the paper the other day, and I didn't have time to get into it, they're actually taking garbage cans out of some parks and finding the parks are staying cleaner, which might have some merit to it, but that's an entirely separate issue. And then, if the issue is about conservation, okay, then why is the city promoting water sales? What's that about? You want to conserve or do you want to sell? What, which business are you in? They're in both, of course. And, uh, you know, so I look at these things. These are basic observations and conclusions I've arrived at from listening on both sides. Got to tell you, I don't have any personal interest in this. I really don't drink water. I don't drink it from the tap and I don't drink it out of a bottle. Uh, I basically drink juices and I drink a lot of tea. I'm a tea addict, what can I say? So that means, but that's from the tap, granted, but the water is boiled before, uh, before I drink it. And I have to tell you, 
you know, in that opening clip, somebody said, what, you know, water doesn't go bad. Oh, yes, it does. I've left a b bottle of city water, which is the way I used to chill it in the fridge before I drink it. If you leave it too long, you should see the scum that it turns to. It's just unbelievable. But uh, that's, that's another story. So what's it all about, Alfie? What's the bottom line? Well, here's where we're going. And it's, I admit it's up to me to make my case, and that's what I'm going to be spending the next show or two doing. What you are seeing in the biggest picture is a concerted effort to fight the privatization of the delivery of drinking water. Okay, that's what it's all about. It's a global-scale plan. It's being run out of the UN. There are other groups that are behind it in Canada, Voice or, um, Council of Canadians and uh, the Polaris Institute, who you'll be hearing about later. So it's all about creating a water monopoly for governments. And what's fascinating about this thing is you're hearing our councillors talk about leadership, that, oh, well, London's the first to do the ban, 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 leadership. No, they're not. They're the biggest sheep on the planet. They're the first to bite and be sheared, and it's just unbelievable that they think they're leading when they're following and doing nothing original. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm just disgusted. I, I really don't like it when people lie to you. You know, this isn't a big issue. I don't care if the city sells water or tap water or bottled water. That's not the issue. Even if, but, but you know, if I believe for a minute that this ban was only an in-house issue and that it stopped there, I wouldn't be talking about this for a minute. But I know better because they've told us. Okay, listen to them. It's not me talking. It's them talking. So, uh, it is a bigger issue than that, and this isn't where it's going to stop. The school boards are already looking at banning pl plastic bottle sales. The uh, provincial government will probably do it, and then eventually it's going to hit the private market, you watch. And the real problems, of course, are the ones they aren't telling you about. This is all a distraction to keep your mind or keep your eye off the ball. And so today we're going to spend some time getting our eye back on that ball. Just a couple of things I saw here. Where are we here? London Free Press. Uh, here's another agenda. June 11th, bottle ban challenge. City's environment director, Jay Stanford, says the bottle ban is about the environment. Mm -hmm. He says the bottles hurt the environment, saying 20 million bottles end up in landfill sites. Well, there's a big story behind that, and of course, they're not all from water. That's all of them, and I don't even know where they get that number from. In the Londoner, we see a headline on the same day, June 11th, the healthier choice, water from your tap. <laughs> this is just, uh, this is a matter of choice. No, I'm not, I'm not panicking about drinking water out of a tap, but, but don't tell me it's the healthier choice. I've been convinced otherwise. I used to believe this before, but now I'm on the other side. Cheryl Miller, we don't know if bottled water is pure. There are no standards, quote, unquote. It's a complete lie, okay? Totally untrue. Um, I don't know if it was ever true. Maybe there's some private company that's escaping all the regulatory bodies, but that's about the only way. Um, quote, safety of water is one issue, and this is Cheryl Miller saying, right after she said what she just said, but the real driver is the high cost for the city of handling all the empty water bottles which collect in blue boxes, or worse, in landfills. Now, isn't that an interesting comment? And then, of course, there's the classic. Did you see it on the front page of the free press just was it a couple days ago Cheryl Miller quite frankly I like it being the nanny state in response uh, to our criticism uh, regarding this whole water bottle ban and people saying that it's about the nanny state uh, interesting because uh, the National Post uh, just had an article recently 
uh, about the nanny state. And actually, they gave Toronto the award. I think Toronto was winning the award for the nanny state. Yeah, here it is, back in uh, July 26. So, we're, yeah, we're not leaders. Toronto's ahead of us there. And apparently there's a guy named David Harsani who's written a book on the phenomenon. And guess what the name of it is? Quote, Nanny State, How Food Fascist, Teetotaling Do-Gooders, Priggish Moralists, and Other Boneheaded Bureaucrats Are Turning America Into a Nation of Children. And I think that title says all I'm going to say about that book for today, but it just gives you an idea what people are admitting to when they say things like this. You know, I've been talking about uh, smiley-faced fascism, you know, as, as was depicted in the book by Goldberg, uh, uh, Liberal Fascism, which is the name of the book out in the out in the market right now, bestseller. And, you know, to hear Cheryl Miller say, quite frankly, I like it being the nanny state is no different than saying, quite frankly, I like it being the fascist state. And there's just no getting around it. That's Whether it's soft fascism, smiley fascism, uh, well-intentioned fascism, nanny state fascism, it's still the same thing and it still causes the same harms. And why don't our politicians understand this? I think Cheryl Miller's given each and every one of us concerned with the erosion of individual rights and freedom, a pretty good reason to never ever consider her as a candidate again, especially not in a free society. I don't think she believes in a free society. She said, said that herself. She said it there. She believes in the nanny state. You know, adults over 18 are their own nanny, okay? And they don't need another mom and dad to tell them how to eat their dinner. Don't drink that. Put your dishes in the... Oh, man, that's, that's nanny state, boy. And I'm going to talk about how bad it is. You know, in, in Toronto, they're even talking about regulating shade. That's how bad it's getting. Now, if Cheryl Miller wants to babysit us, I think uh, that's a psychological issue, and we discussed them in detail on past several shows, particularly psychology of fascism and the psychology of green. It's all there for you to see. But since people who really care about reality and freedom have never really been in the majority, that explains why the vote was 15 to 3 on Monday night to ban the sale of water in single-use plastic bottles. Yes, not an earth-shaking issue, just one more bullet fired into the body of reality, reason, and freedom. It was utterly irrational, totally irrational. And remember what John McMurray said about rationality. Rationality, after all, is just a call for morality. That's what it is. And this was irrational and denies choice. And uh, denies a healthy choice, by the way. And uh, not that I care whether they sell it or not. That's not the issue. Um, but I think... When you hear the reasons behind why they did it, that's, that's where the meat of this whole thing is, is you hear these irrational philosophies and policies of our completely dysfunctional municipal council. I mean, Rome is burning and they're lighting matches. So, you know, I, I don't have a lot of respect for people who proudly boast about their contempt for my freedom and for my choice and for their own constituents. I'm sorry, but our city council is full of them. And they're full of it, too, you know. In the words of Willem Reich, who we discussed a few weeks ago, they're, they're all little men who are quite unwilling to be great. Now, only Paul Van Meerbergen, Tom Gosnell, and Bud Polhill exhibited any degree of common sense or principle on this issue. And uh, three cheers for, for you guys, I'm telling you. Because I've never talked about this before, but what I find interesting about this grouping, on what seems to be so minor an issue on the surface, I mean, selling bottled water, is that these are about the only three reps that we have here in London City Council. And this is regardless of whether I agree or disagree with their policies. I, if you've heard, ever heard uh, uh, Left, Right and Center with Jim Chapman, Tom and I would go at it. But uh, I found these people to be consistently common sense oriented and generally and you know, intellectually and morally honest and even principled on some points. 
with their arguments and reasons for justifying their stands on issues that affect the rest of us. Again, it doesn't mean I always agree with them, even though I think in this very philosophical issue, uh, very revealing, we happen to agree. And when I say intellectually and morally honest, what I mean is, uh, you know, little or no BS, you know, meaning that they, they're not afraid to say, I don't know if they actually don't know. Uh, respecting the rights of others to decide for themselves how to live their lifestyles, you know, basically a live-and-let-live philosophy. Respecting the property rights, keeping municipal governments concerned with basics, infrastructures, roads, you know, offering a little bit of an objective reason for a decision, and generally operating in a in a civilized, non-coercive kind of way. And and the rest of them on council are just mob rule. The rest of just that's no principles at all. Bully politics all the way. Smiley-faced liberal fascism. You know, to them, education is coercion. They go, they go together. Interchangeable words. If you think I'm exaggerating, just stay tuned, because I've got direct quotes. I could spend this entire program just venting on the monstrous ideas that are percolating down at City Hall and uh, driving these seemingly pitiful and petty and, you know, insignificant campaigns. You know, it's it's more about the way they think or maybe more about the way they do not think. Going to take a quick break, and when we come back after this, you'll hear some of their own words of what they're saying. You hated the movie. No, I didn't hate it. It was very interesting. Well, the first three hours were a little slow. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is Sherman, and I'm going to be your serving person tonight. Can I get you something from the bar? No, thank you. I I'm fine. Uh, just water, thanks. Very good. Please, let me show you our water list. I'll tell you both right now that we're out of the Nantucket Springs and the Evian. I'm going to give you a minute with that. we made our water decision yet? Do we need help? No, I think we'll just stick with New York City tap. Very good. Ganko? Compete with, uh, with London City tap. It would be an interesting comparison, wouldn't it? Welcome back. You're looking at Just Right on CHRW 94.9 FM, where we'll be with you from now till noon, 519-661-3600, the number to call if you want to join us. And down at London City Hall, this is from the London City Hall Minutes, um, Richard Bird, Council of Canadians, Water Protection Committee, who made a submission there, and give you some idea of what they're after and what their philosophy is on water. Uh, water for people, not for profit, that's their, their slogan, okay? And then, of course, they argue the old uh, argument, single-use water bottles are 230 to 3,000 times more expensive than tap water. I dealt with that argument completely way back on uh, June 12th. You can go to the archives to hear it. That's just a nonsensical argument that does not take into account what it is people are buying when they buy bottles, bottled water. But here, listen to this, quote, Water, water must be public. Water must be free. Clean water should not be a commodity. We are, this is from a song, too. We are experiencing a global water crisis. Blue, and then, so they've got this thing called the Blue Planet Project. 
where they say water is a fundamental human right, almost as though there's some kind of shortage of water or something, which is nonsensical, which I'll demonstrate a little later. By the way, a lot of these slogans come from a, uh, some kind of um, song called Bottle This by Evelyn Perry. So never heard it myself, but that's apparently the source of it. Uh, also, water belongs to the earth and all living things, apparently not including humans, though, because obviously <laughs> then it wouldn't be an issue, would it? Um, all must protect access to it for all forms of life and for the earth itself. Even the earth itself has to have a drink. Did you know that? Water is a public good. These are such out-of-context statements that people don't even understand what that one statement itself implies. It just implies oh, terror that you cannot imagine. Management must be in the public sphere, social, community-based, participatory, and not based on profit. So we should lose money constantly in our water supply. That'll do, that'll do good for the water system, won't it? Water should not be privatized and should be withdrawn from all trade and investment agreements. There you go. And of course, Maud Barlow adds, she says, the demand for bottled water is not natural. <laughs> oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Okay. Then there's Cheryl, good old Cheryl Miller, okay. She's the chair of the Environmental and Transportation Committee, the ETC. And she's talking about, you know, she wants to provide our own product. And she says, what you should do is you should turn on the tap and fill up your cup. Uh, we provide a product that you and I pay for. It's stringently tested and you're paying for it already. So what you need to do is bring in your bottle to use that. Then we're going to go look at vending machine contracts. We're also going to be looking at golf courses next year. Boy, they got a lot of looking to do. It sounds like a holiday, doesn't it? All we're trying to do is ensure the product they're drinking is our product that we own as a city. So it has nothing to do with quality, does it? It just has to do with monopoly. I want you to drink my stuff, not his. And that it's stringently tested and it doesn't cost you anything. Of course, that's a lie. You're paying for it already, paid for it through your taxes. When they tell you something doesn't cost something, uh, that generally means it costs you a lot more than it would have cost if it had a price on it. Because then you would have chosen that it would have been cheaper per unit and you wouldn't be subsidizing the rest of the world. And it just, it just doesn't work. Tom subsidizing Harry, Harry subsidizing Tom, Tom subsidizing Harry, back and forth. And of course they warn us, well, we, you know, we can't ban sales in stores, nor is that our intention. Uh, would Coke and Pepsi, or would Coke put a Pepsi machine in their office? So why should the city of London, who provides water in a competitive product, which we pay for, etc., etc., why should we put it in there? Bring your own cup, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Now, this thinking is so collectivist, it's scary. First of all, Coke and Pepsi are not governments, okay? And neither has the political power to, the, to eliminate the other competition by force of law, unless, of course, they get a government to go into partnership with them, okay? Which is ironically what's happening in England. In England, tap water is provided by private companies who are saying the same things our municipal s suppliers are. They don't like the competition. And they want to wipe out the competition, and they will run to the law to do that, and then use all kinds of rationalizations like, oh, landfill sites, oh, the water's cleaner, all, and all not true or irrelevant, and to make their case. It's all, it's all it's about. And they're telling you here, it's about a monopoly. Okay, and so, uh, you know, government is not a business. It shouldn't be. And if you're going to sell water, then get into the water business. You should be on a free market and not given a, a monopoly. Uh, Kitchener, Hamilton, Windsor, and Toronto, you know, they might be said to be competing with London, quote-unquote, but they're also governments, aren't they? And the service they provide is not supposed to be uh, you know, selling water and stuff, uh, except as a basic municipal service, which I don't see any threat to 
from bottled water. That's the amazing thing. Now, you know, as long as the city wants to pretend to be a public body, then I don't even think it has a right to restrict or ban otherwise intelligent and legal choices from its citizens, even on its own property. Does that make sense? I mean, if we all own the golf courses, if we all own the city property, shouldn't we all have equal rights and so choose? You know, you can eat turkey, I'll eat ham. You can, eat, you can have bottled water, I'll have tap water, no problem there. What is the problem with that? that they pretend that this is an environmental issue or or it's just a complete obscene diversion from the real issues of course and uh, you know once they start telling us they're competing with private industry to provide goods and services whether it's water entertainment facilities or the or the entertainment itself then you're not talking about a government anymore and I don't think any citizen has a moral obligation to respect such a body that has abandoned its primary intended function and decided instead to become our nanny. Nag, nag, nag. Do nothing, you know. Use a stick, not a carrot. That's what I think of when I hear the word nanny. And, uh, you know, <laughs> I won't say the obvious. Now, of course, there's... Um, Interesting, the mayor was on uh, CJBK radio the other day, and CJ, CJBK did a good job at least bringing some of the people who are on the other side of the issue to this, to the forum, and I'll be referring to a lot of their interviews later. But he basically asked the mayor, um, you know, again, she says, oh, we're not talking about a ban, blah, 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 like she said about the, uh, about the um, drive-through the week before they were banned. Not banned, of course, prohibited. That was the word they used. That's why they can say, we're not banning. Uh, so she was asked, well, why go the legislative route rather than the public education route? In other words, why hit people on the head? Why ban stuff all the time instead of educating them if there's an education there? And the mayor's response, quote, well, actually, we're going to be doing both. Oh, well, that justifies hitting me on the head. You're going to educate me and yell at me at the same time that you hit me on the head. Even when I disagree with you, even when I think you're wrong, even when I think all your arguments are backwards, even when I know that you're lying to me and not telling me the truth about a lot of things, you know, and yet I'm still expected to obey the nanny, okay? She says, we are going to do as much as we can to help encourage people, get this, to make changes on how they view water. It's how you view water. That's what it's all about. And that's why I'm going to give you some really interesting facts on how to view water and what you should know about water, because I'm telling you, this stuff's going to keep flowing and flowing until you drown in it. And, of course, they want to encourage people to know that drinking water is safe and you can drink the water. It's cheaper, blah, 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 all that stuff. We've heard it over and over again. But it's not the issue. None of this stuff is the issue, okay? Um, you know, they want us to think about our water as being good water if you drink it. And, uh, you know, I want to encourage people to drink it. And then she goes, and if you think about it, too, when we started our blue box system, you'll notice how the blue box system keeps coming up in this. A couple of decades ago, there are still people today, even though we provide a blue box to them, who don't always recycle. So we know that changing people's habits doesn't come easy in some areas, but there's more and more a constant reminder across Canada, across society everywhere, about how important the environment is, and we have to do our part individually, recycling, blah, 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 and the city does not even do it itself on its own property. And the people that are offering to help them, the very industries they're condemning, are being turned away. That's what's happening here. And uh, I'll be demonstrating all that as we continue. It's just so unbelievable. I, 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 when, you, when you have the facts in front of you, it's really interesting. And then, of course, uh, um, good old Bud Polehill. Here's what he had to say. And he said, quote, 
I think this is just the beginning of let's ban it totally in the city of London, he said. Uh, you know, for the people who are pushing this one, it's just a first step. Whether you can legally prevent it or not, you can't stop people from trying, and I believe this is just the beginning of the list of let's ban it. We've gone down this path a few times, successfully on some, not on others. But is it up to me to tell other people how to run their life? We're getting a little too controlling in the city, I think. We're trying to control people's lives, and we're trying to tell them what they can and can't do because we don't believe they're smart enough to figure it out themselves, and I don't think that's the way it is. You can't bring bottled water into the John Labatt Center. You have to give it up before you go in, and you have to buy your bottled water there. But now you won't be able to buy it there either, so they'll have to change a lot of rules, won't they? And this is interesting. Quote, Bud Polhill. We only just this year put the recycling bins in the park for all the festivals and events. By the way, you know who the we is? That was uh, Tim Hortons and some of the private businesses that put those recycling bins in the park. That's the we. And he says, why didn't we do that before? Only last year we put recycling bins in John Labatt Center. The reason bottles are in the landfill is because there was nowhere else to put them. In other words, he's telling us the city was not recycling in its own facilities. He says he's not supporting the bottle ban because he doesn't think it's the answer. He says if you want to ban plastic bottles, which is he thinks is the goal, but it's not, then of course you'd have to ban all plastic bottles. And he thinks we should go back to a deposit return. And uh, boy, is there a story you need to know about the deposit return system and why we don't have one in this province that, again, we can thank David Peterson for and some previous liberal governments who banned that whole system and put us on the blue box system. But I promised earlier I'm going to take a break at the half hour point because after this break and many much needed messages, we will be back and tell you some scientific, real educating type of facts about water that you really should know. I think it's going to blow you away. You think water is just a boring subject, something that comes out of your tap? You'll be amazed. And uh, we'll be back right after this quick break. You know damn well your factory's been dumping toxic sludge into the Hudson for years. There's never been any proof to those allegations. Oh, you guys think you're so clever getting away with this. This is water our children are drinking. New York City water's filled with chemicals. That's why it's safe to drink. The woman is making this up. I am not oh, making it up. I this hate is something. To cut you off, but that's all the time we have left. Woo! Talk about a workout. The name of the video is Harry Leffler's Armchair Aerobics. I'm Eddie Charles. Take care, everybody. And we're out. Eddie, I, I don't know what to tell you. I'm really sorry. Hey, no problem, man. That was great television. I'll see you in a bit. Nina? Shut up. I'm not talking to you. Excuse me? You're not talking to me? Don't you ever apologize for me again. You are not responsible for me. You're not my husband. You're not my father. Okay, I just don't understand why we can't have one evening that doesn't end in a speech or a protest. Look, Topper, I'm sorry if it embarrasses you, but this is who I am. This is what I believe in. What do you believe in? What is important to you? <laughs> Come on. Baseball, is that right? Global warming. Baseball. The, the rainforest. Baseball. Nuclear stuff. Nuclear stuff? Very enlightened. It's moments like this. I don't know what the hell I'm doing with you. Look, I'm sorry, I've never staged a rally. I don't have a police record. I've never even had a beard. So if that's a problem for you, I don't know what you're doing with me either. Okay. Everybody ready for dinner? Check, please.
I want to thank you for your hospitality. <laughs> I must admit, I haven't had access to a food repl uh, uh, replicator before. <laughs> I'd never have guessed. And to immerse myself in water. Oh, do you know what joy this is? <laughs> <coughs> no one around here wastes water in this manner. Good sand scrub. That's the best that we can hope for. <laughs> Welcome back to Just Right. You're listening to CHRW 94.9 FM. And we have Ted on the line who has a comment for us today. Yeah, hi. Uh, uh, don't they realize that 90% of the freshwater in Canada runs into the oceans? <laughs> I don't think they do, Ted. It's funny. You, that, that's one of the facts. It's Actually, it's 100%, believe it or not, but it's not all through runoff. Yeah, and the other thing I was... I remember the Walkerton thing. Yeah. And all the, they were blaming um, the Harris government... And uh, uh, there was a situation with uh, cattle waste or hog waste put on a field which ran into those wells. Right. And those guys that were running those loyal public servants didn't seem to run it properly and had, had been falsifying information on it for a long time. And uh, I said to myself, well, wasn't it their fault? It wasn't anybody else's fault. That's but absolutely correct. The big nanny state didn't, didn't look after us there, did they? No. And but you, you can realize where it's signed by politics are. And you're driving me even further right there. <laughs> well, listen, <laughs> but, that, uh, anyway, uh, the I have a friend who's a strong advocate of uh, uh, Bob Barlow's uh, Council of Canadians, and they seem to think that, uh, and seem to be in fear of the fact that no, every that nothing or everything in the world is going to be owned by somebody. Well, it already is. And uh, uh, we have so much water in Canada, and, you know, if we, we use it properly, there's no problem. But I could, I didn't understand this bottled water thing until I heard you this morning, so I'm thankful for that. Well, you know, it's funny that you uh, talked about the ocean and Walkerton because they're both, it's almost like you read my notes ahead of time. I don't know how you did that. Have you got ESP or something? Sometimes. <laughs> in certain areas. Um, certain areas of life I do, but uh, but it's 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 you know it's something that's so fundamental. But I don't see I don't understand this ownership of things. Well, you know, I'm actually I've talked about ownership and private property rights in the past. It's it's a complete uh, economic misunderstanding on the parts of left wingers everywhere. And, uh, you know, the thing they fear is a thing they should be embracing. They think ownership somehow means it's out of their control when, in fact, it's the other way around. It's when the government owns things that you can't control it. You, don't, you can't even sue a government. But uh, that's, that's a subject for, for another uh, yeah. issue. Thanks for calling, and um, you should hang in there, Ted, And because I think you're going to find what we have to say very interesting. 519-661-3600 is a number to call if you want to call as well. Now, let's talk about water. What is a substance of water? You know, it's, um, I went to two sources. One was uh, my Universal World Reference Encyclopedia, which is printed around the 1950s or so. I bring that up because it's significant, and it'll be a little later. I'll explain that if I remember. And I also talked to my uh, good friend Andy Jansen, who was a guest on this show just a few weeks ago, and who is working in, in providing alternate fuels and hydrogen. And if you want to tune into that, just check that out on the website. But let's learn a little bit about water together, shall we? And uh, I think you're going to be surprised by some of this. Now, the importance of water to life and most of its properties is, are basically familiar to everybody. Here's some facts about water, scientific facts. At ordinary temperatures, okay, water is a tasteless, 
odorless, transparent liquid that is colorless in small amounts and is green to blue in large quantities. Water freezes or changes from a liquid at zero degrees centigrade, uh, which is 32 degrees Fahrenheit, and Andy added one thing. He says that's at one atmosphere, and he's correct. They didn't have that in there. Uh, to a colorless crystalline solid called ice, and in so doing, this is interesting, liberates 80 calories of heat per gram. The energy change is called the heat of crystallization of water, and Andy referred to that as the latent heat that is stored in water. Now, unlike, this is interesting, get this, unlike most other liquids, that means other liquids behave the opposite, okay? Water expands in freezing. Now, I, I always knew that, but I didn't know that the other liquids didn't behave quite the same. And since the ice thus formed is less dense than the liquid, it floats up to the surface, of course, giving us ice that we can use for recreation and cooling things and all sorts of stuff. In nature, the surface layer of ice acts as an insulator for the water below it, which is where aquatic life can survive, and that's why you can go ice fishing. At sea level, water boils or changes from a liquid at 100 degrees centigrade, which is 212 Fahrenheit, to an invisible gas called steam, and in this process absorbs 540 calories per gram. The quantity of energy is called the heat of vaporization of water. An equal amount of heat is liberated when steam condenses to water, a process in which the multitude of tiny water droplets formed have the appearance of a white cloud or fog. Now what's interesting is most people call that white cloud or fog, that's what they call steam, and that's not steam. That's a white cloud. It's fog. That's what you've got in your shower. The steam, have you ever watched your kettle boil? And if you look at the tip of the kettle there, you'll notice there's a little space between where it's really hot in the kettle and where you actually see the cloud form. And that, it's actually invisible. That's where the steam is. And Andy told me that that is dry. That is literally dry steam until it condenses. And so it doesn't get wet again until you start seeing the cloud form in the air. And that's why, uh, you know, you can really scald yourself with steam if it's really steam, because that's invisible. You wouldn't see it. It's coming out there and probably, depending on the pressure in your kettle, I don't know how long it would take to cool off, but it wouldn't be more than an inch or two of actual steam, I would think, coming out of a regular kettle. Now, an equal amount of heat is liberated, of course, when the steam condenses back to water and makes that cloud or fog. At ordinary temperatures, water undergoes evaporation, which is kind of like slow steam, which is a slow change from the liquid to a gaseous state and is contained in this form, water vapor in the air. And the degree of saturation of the air with respect to water is called humidity. And that value is dependent, of course, upon the temperature which is why when the temperature's that high at the edge of the steam kettle, it's, it's actually dry until the temperature drops. That's when the humidity comes back in. Now, this is interesting. Water is used as a standard substance in physical systems of measurement. And uh, here's something Andy didn't know, so I felt kind of proud that I, I brought up a fact that he didn't know. First one ever. Uh, and that's this one. For example, the gram, the basis of the metric system of weights, is taken as the weight of one cubic centimeter of pure water at a temperature of four degrees centigrade. Now why four degrees and not zero or 20 or 15? Because at four degrees centigrade, water has its maximum density. And it's funny because I've always found that water tasted best around that temperature. And I wonder if that has something to do with it. I don't know. 
specific gravity determinations are also based upon water as a standard, although they didn't get into that, and, and I don't know much more about that. But they also mentioned that the unit known as the calorie, we hear a lot about that when you're talking about weight loss, eh, is the amount or quantity of heat required to raise the temperature of one gram of water one degree on the centigrade scale. And, um, of course, now here's a very interesting thing about water. Now, let's face it, water is a chemical, okay? And there's no getting around it. It's a chemical just like all the other chemicals, good and bad. Chemically, water is composed of the elements of oxygen and hydrogen, and apparently this was first uh, discovered and shown by the English chemist Henry Cavendish. And another Englishman, Sir Humphrey Davy, later demonstrated that these elements were present in water in the ratio of two volumes of hydrogen to one of oxygen. So if you're thinking about H2O in terms of its size, although it would be too small to see by the eye in terms of you know one molecule, the hydrogen volume-wise is twice as uh, large as uh, the oxygen. But the other, looking at it the other way around, by weight, however, uh, it's the, the weight is 88.9% oxygen and 11.1% hydrogen. And of course, its molecular formula is H2O, and its molecular weight is 18. I didn't know what that meant, uh, what molecular weight meant, and I looked it up, and it apparently... Um, Andy and I actually discussed this. He didn't know, and I checked it out. And it's the weight of a molecule of a substance relative to the weight of an oxygen atom, which has arbitrarily been taken as being 16. Because if you look at the molecular weight of oxygen on a periodic, tail, uh, periodic table, it's 8. It's number 8 on the scale. But they arbitrarily picked oxygen as the standard and made it 16, and then... You take to take that number 16 and add the sum of the atomic weights of the atoms to, of the molecule. So that's why the atomic weight of water is 18, because water, um, oxygen is 16, and hydrogen is 1. So you add 2, because it's H2O, right? So it ends up being 18. Uh, very interesting. The whole I looked at the whole atomic, uh, or the whole uh, rather periodic table, and you've got you know atomic weight of one hydrogen, two is helium, three is lithium, etc. A couple of key ones, of course, are carbon, which is six, and aluminum, which is thirteen. That's what they're collecting in the blue boxes out there. Aluminum is one of the more valuable things. Now, hydrogen is sometimes prepared from water through electrolysis, which is what Andy was talking about a bit on the show last time, a process by which the hydrogen is given off at the cathode, which is a zinc negative, and the oxygen at the anode, which is a positive but a different metal, has to be different from the zinc. And uh, when an electric current is passed through water to which some acid has been added. Now, you know, if, believe it or not, yesterday was the first time I actually understood where the electricity in a battery actually comes from, thanks to Andy explaining this process, which I had explained to me before. The electricity actually comes out of the metals that are in the battery, and they corrode. They're corroded by the acid that's in the battery. And because they corrode, they're giving up something, aren't they? They're giving up their molecules, their energy. And that energy is the electricity that you get in your battery. So if you can control this corrosion at a very slow rate so that it produces a certain voltage, I don't know how long it took them to work all that out, but that's essentially where the power comes from. And when, when that metal is finally corroded and gone, you know, it's a dry battery, it'll just crumble, and there's no more electricity to get from that battery. And that's where that comes from. Water itself is an extremely weak acid, as shown by typical acid reactions with very active metals, such as sodium and potassium. 
in an uncombined state in which the hydrogen is replaced by the metal, thus forming a hydroxide. H2O2, you ever hear that? Bought, bought a bottle of this yesterday. It cost me $2.19. Last time I bought one, it was $0.89, cents, so that's how long it took me to go through that. Hydrogen peroxide is uh, almost a household thing today. It's one of those basic uh, things you want to have in your first aid kit. It dissolves organic material. And what's interesting is that it, it goes after dead material first. And it's interesting because hydrogen peroxide is really another form of water, and it was a byproduct of commercial industry way back when, and it used to be a military secret, basically, up until the mid-1950s, which is why it was not in my encyclopedia of that period. And um, it's interesting because uh, H2O2, although it's a much higher grade than what you'd buy in the store, it's called HTP, high test peroxide. Um, it powered the fastest manned aircraft in the Second World War, which was the Messerschmitt 163. I, and he tells me there's one at the Imperial War Museum in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, hydrogen peroxide, this secondary form of water, breaks down all organic material to its basic elemental constituents, the elements on the periodic table. So when you see that little white foam that you put on a wound, that is dead bacteria that it's getting rid of right away. And uh, Andy tells me a lot of doctors are looking at this as almost a miracle drug these days. And uh, it was actually an industrial byproduct from all sorts of industrial and military uses. And now it's a common household thing. Um, now, water combines with other elements and their oxides to form acids. Water often combines with compounds to form hydrates, which are salts of definitive or definite composition differing in their properties from the anhydrous compounds. Interesting, there are some substances that absorb water from the air, and they are said to be deliquescent. And others which lose water in the air are said to be efflorescent. And there's another type of water called heavy water. It contains an isotope of hydrogen that's heavier than ordinary hydrogen, H3O, I think it is. And Andy tells me that uh, the thing about heavy water is that it's so dense that it absorbs vast amounts of heat. That's why they use it in nuclear reactors. It's like uh, the ideal type of water to use uh, in the radiator, if you want to call it that. <laughs> That's the radiator of the nuclear reactor. And interestingly, heavy water is present in ordinary water in very, very small amounts. And, uh, but unlike ordinary water, heavy water cannot support life. So don't drink it. It won't hurt you, but it won't keep you alive either, I guess. Now, water for drinking purposes. Uh, pure water water which is considered free from pathogenic bacteria or toxic substances is essential for drinking purposes. Ancient Rome was supplied with pure water from mountain springs by a system of aqueducts and even today they still do that. Boiling destroys most bacteria but has little or no effect on noxious substances in a solution. Distillation is a highly effective means of water purification but is impractical on a large scale. And um, you know, uh, yet it's it's kind of unsuited for the preparation of drinking water, they say, because it completely removes the non-volatile salts, which are physiologically important, and impart a taste to water. That's why distilled water has a very flat taste, or no taste. And filtration, aeration, and chlorination are the most widely used methods of purification of water for drinking purpose. Now, that's basically a little bit about the chemical of water. Now, if you think there's ever going to be a water shortage on this planet, I want to assure you it's not going to happen. You know, this planet that we call Earth should have been called 
water. We should have called the moon Earth. Okay, that would make more sense. If some Martians came here, they'd look at our planet, especially if you approach it from the Pacific side. You wouldn't even know there was hardly any land on the planet. And you'd call the moon Earth, which is apparently several million times drier than the driest desert on Earth. And you'd call Earth water because the hydrosphere of the Earth contains or consists of all the surface and subsurface water on the face of the Earth. Water falls on the ground as snow or rain, and it's destined to one of three ends. It'll either evaporate, it'll run off in streams, or it'll percolate into the ground. The evaporated water may fall again after condensation in the clouds, the rate depending on the relative humidity in the air. And the runoff goes into streams and rivers to join lakes and seas, and finally, the oceans, as our caller Ted said earlier. And, uh, you know, rivers are transient geologic phenomenon, and lakes are temporary, being filled eventually with the sediment carried by the rivers. Don't tell that to any, any of the greenies, because, uh, uh, you know, they don't want to believe that climate changes. doesn't happen. Now, of course, the ultimate source of surface water is the ocean. The percolating water joins the vast reservoir of underground and subsurface water. And then my encyclopedia goes off to other water-related subjects, including water tables, springs, wells, groundwater, mineralization, landslides, desalination. You get the general idea. This is a huge issue. But, you know, if there's one image I get when I look at the big water picture of planet Earth, uh, you know, we're like a big sponge, perpetually soaked in this chemical that we call water. You know, they discovered water on Mars and it only made page four or five of the London Free Press. And of course, water floats around in comets and on apparently some of the moons of some of the planets. So it's all over the place. I'm going to take a quick break now and we'll throw some more evidence at you and then what we don't get done today, we'll finish up next week. You know, one of the oddest things I ever saw when I first moved to Canada, I had no idea about this, ice fishing. Anybody here do that? Are you serious? Oh, dear God, are you going to hate this part? I just, I don't get it. I don't, and I had no idea. Like, I was walking through a sporting goods store, and I'm looking at what I assume is a model of the big tent you'll get to take home. And I said, well, how big is the actual tent? And he said, that's it. It's for ice fishing. The guy explains it to me. So let me see if I got this right. Now, basically, what you do, you spend about $500 on this tent. And you get about uh, $600 and buy yourself an ice auger. <laughs> then you wait until the ice is so thick you can drive your pickup truck on it. <laughs> then you take out your auger and you dig a hole in the ice. Then you put your tent over it. Then you sit in the tent. <laughs> all weekend long, <laughs> attempting to drink your body weight in alcohol. <laughs> st staring at a string going down a hole in the ice in an effort to catch a fish that's worth $1.75 a pound. <laughs> I'm looking at this thinking, oh my God, how bad would your marriage have to be? It's never going to work. 
means she is this politically committed environmental activist, and he's a regular person. But let's be perfectly honest. Nothing lasts forever. Except styrofoam cups. <laughs> yeah, but let's put some more of those styrofoam cups back into the landfill sites, eh? I uh, only have a couple minutes to wrap up the show today, so I want to get a couple of facts through to you that came from various members of the water bottle industry, and you'll be hearing more of their side of the argument next week, but uh, a couple of things you need to know. One of them, I think his name was John Chowner or something like that from Nestle's, uh, you know, he was talking about the water ban here, and he's from Nestle's. And he was asked a question about why aren't, why don't, the, why don't we put a, a deposit on these bottles because when we had deposits, you know, people brought them back and there was a reason to bring them back. And you know what the reason is? And here's the reason. I'm going to quote them. Quote, I think people need to understand the history of the blue box in Ontario. It's rather ironic, speaking of London, he says, because the individual responsible for the movement away from deposits on bottles and to the blue box system was former Premier David Peterson, a London native. In 1988, Peterson proposed to the beverage industry that he wanted to get into the major recycling program in the province of Ontario called the Blue Box System. Obviously, it all comes down to money at the end of the day, he says, and the Peterson government agreed that they would cease the deposit program and put those funds into the Blue Box program, and that's exactly what was done. And now we're almost 20 years into the program. So says uh, this fellow from Nestle, he says, if we go back to a deposit system, program with respect to plastic and other items, that would kill the blue box program because you'd be taking most of the valuable components out of the blue box, which is plastic and aluminum. And that damages the ability of the municipality to partially fund their blue box program because they're losing the most valuable items, of course. And he says there's no way industry, all industry in Ontario, is going to pay for two programs because they're already paying for 50% of the cost of the blue box program. Why would we then get into another expensive program? It doesn't make any sense. Now, you, you need to know that because you're being constantly told industry should pay. Blah, blah, blah. Industry should have deposits. The reason they don't is because it's illegal. We made it illegal. The government runs it that way. They want government monopolies on everything, including the blue box system, which was a fraud from the beginning, and, uh, you know, on and on. Now, if you're wondering about the quality of water, just a quick touch on this before we wrap up. And then next week, I'm telling you folks, I got so much for you, you won't believe it. Um, this is very Im important. You know, this is, uh, again, I'm not sure who's talking here. I think this is, again, the same person from Nestle. He's explaining um, how water is actually treated in the bottle and that kind of stuff. And he says uh, um, that... Uh, First of all, they're not opposed to tap water. They make that clear. That's not their issue at all. They just want the freedom to sell their own water to the people that, wanna, that want to buy it. And he says, our products are regulated by Health Canada. They're considered a food, and so this is a very strict regulation. We're regulated by the Ontario Ministry of the Environment. And boy, did I read a ton on that. You wouldn't believe how bad that is. We're regulated by our own industry organization. There are surprise audits that take place in our plants on a regular basis, and we have never had a breach. In the history of our company, no one has ever become sick because they drank a bottle of our water. As a matter of fact, I could say that about our whole industry. A Canadian has never become ill drinking bottled water that was made in Canada. And... Um, and he gets into the whole history of why they moved from plastic, or from rather from glass back to plastic, 
um, what the other issues are behind the whole blue box system. And uh, there's just so much to cover in all this. And I tell you, I just touched the tip of the iceberg, but that's as much as we're going to get done today. So if you want to hear more, you're going to have to tune in next weekend. Join us. Until then, be right, act right. Stay right, do right, think right. Take care. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be alright. Here's a tip for you guys. You're going out for the evening with your wife. You're standing at the front door waiting for her. She finally comes down. And she turns to you and says, Are you wearing that shirt? correct answer is always no. Right? Here's a better one. If your wife is having fun and you're not, you're still having way more fun than when you're having fun and she's not.